Hi, my name is Daniel Lumpkin, and this is Nonprofit Step by Step, a podcast series dedicated to showing you, the audience, different nonprofit organizations each episode and going in depth to allow you to have a complete understanding of the work that these organizations do so that you potentially would understand what you are donating your time, resources, or money to. Today's episode will be looking at Calvary Children's Home, located in Powder Springs, Georgia. The first question I have to ask is, what is Calvary? What are their goals? What do they do on a day-to-day basis? Well, Calvary Children's Home is a home for kids whose parents are not able to care for them. That's Brian Busby, the director of Calvary Children's Home. Uh, during our walking tour and interview, Brian showed me the, the gymnasium, the cafeteria, uh, the homes uh, where the children stay and live. Um, and during that time, I got to see not only everything that makes Calvary Calvary, but everything that makes Calvary a home to these kids. There are bikes on the lawn. There are toys in their bedrooms. There are, it's a place where kids can actually live and experience love. The vast majority of our kids come from two different backgrounds. They either have a tragedy and they've lost their parents to death or their parents have gone down uh, a road that the kids can't go with them. Most time, that would be addiction, imprisonment, poverty, but there are other avenues. Like uh, what? Deep brokenness within the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, ha- we have had kids that were adopted and did not uh, bond in that family mm-hmm. uh, at all, and the, the parents were not willing to continue down that road. Yeah, it's challenging, uh, certainly, to be um, given up and then adopted and, and it not work out is, is extra challenging. But the vast majority of the kids come from one of those two situations where it's tragedy or deep dysfunction. So they go into some of these homes? Uh, they do. Uh, we have three cottages, one, uh, one girl's cottage and two boys' cottages. The, the girl's home smells better than the boys' home, naturally, right? But uh, the um, we have an older boys' cottage and a younger boys' cottage, and we're slapped full of boys, just about 10 in each home. Wow. And uh, you've never lived until you've got 20 boys ready for church on a Sunday morning. It's pretty awesome. Did you want to go in one of the homes? Yeah, that'd be I'd, great. Yeah. We try to make the homes look as much like a home as possible and not an institution. The rooms are 2 to a room. And if you look in them, they're always pretty well kept and uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. One of the things is if, if you take a child who comes from a background where they have very little and you give them, um, you know, a lot and a nice place to live, uh, the way to combat, I don't know how to say, but maybe a welfare mentality mm-hmm. is to require them to take excellent care of the spot that they live in. And so our kids do that every day. They have chores and responsibilities and we generally do a walkthrough, but that's how the boys leave the room. And yeah. if you look at them, they're not so bad, you know. And each home has a large eating area, dining area, so the kids can eat together as a family. And a big kitchen, and then house parents live at home. Brian mentioned there uh, the importance of house parents. A house parent is somebody who lives at the home uh, nearly full time. They get a few days off uh, after working several days in a row but they are the uh, primary presence in that home. It's usually couples, uh, Christian couples that have decided to to do that. Um, but Brian also introduced me to Darlene Hancock, who, uh, who is a house mom. I came to work here about seven and a half years, almost seven and a half years ago. And after my husband died, they offered me the full-time position in the girl's house. 
As a house mom? As a, as a house mom. So for a little over five years now, I've been full-time house mom to the girls' house. So the real question is, what does loving these kids actually look like? How do you love kids who maybe have a lot of walls up, who maybe have gone through so much that they don't think that they deserve love? Um, how do you make them feel like they're in a home now where they're safe, where they can feel comfortable and have fun and be a, a kid? How do you show love to that? Well, um, during the school year, you know, we get the kids up. We get make sure they get to the bus stop on time. If If they need to go into school early, which nowadays many kids do, we get them to school. We make sure, you know, the house is kept up uh, I my girls do a pretty good job of keeping their rooms and their bathrooms clean that's something that we try to instill in our children to take care of your stuff and have personal responsibilities I'm a firm believer in that I'm a very firm believer that you know kids need to help out around the house and our kids are very blessed and that a lot has been given to them yeah. uh, and so we try to counter the uh, air of entitlement with responsibility you know you've been uh, given things have been donated things you've been blessed take care of what's what god has given you we get the opportunity to to share jesus with these kids <clears throat> because we don't take any federal or state funding we're privately funded which i'm sure you know brian has said we are able to you know take them to church we are able to have devotions. We were able to sit down and share Bible with them pertaining to their situations and their circumstances. Um, it's just cool. You know, I get paid to teach kids how to swim. I get paid to braid hair. I get paid to help kids cook. You know, I get paid to do devotions. With kids, yeah. I mean, but it's got to be hard. Um, there are difficulties when you're raising kids who are coming in from um, situations that aren't good. And Darlene, you can tell after just talking to her for five seconds that she is the perfect person for that. Um, she talked about how she doesn't back down from challenges and. You you can see why she doesn't, and it's it's not it's not a pride thing. It's not um, an ego thing. It's it it comes from love from her. It comes from love for for these kids. I'm the blessed one. I'm the blessed one. You know, when uh, to have these kids come up and hug me, or have these kids. I mean, we go toe to toe sometimes. We go, you know, I'm I'm in their face because I'm kind of. I, I'm I'm one that'll get up in there. I don't back down from challenges. I don't. And uh but I think but my girls love me and they respect me and they know I'll give it to them straight. You know, they they know don't ask my opinion if you don't really want it cuz I'm going to give it to you. Uh I'm probably going to give it to you more often than not when you don't want it. But uh my girls I feel like they know that I love them. There's not a doubt in my mind. Now, they may get upset with me over things, but there's not a doubt in my mind these girls know I love them. They know I love them. They don't always agree with uh, 
what I want for them. They don't always agree with my decisions, but I believe deep down they know I love them. Mm. They know I love them. And that's important. Yeah. And they know, I believe they know that no matter what they do, I'm still going to love them. And some of them do push that, but I do love them. Yeah. Uh, because God loves me. I know me. And I know what God has loved me through. And I know what God has loved me in spite of. And I know that God has never given up on me. And so I don't give up on my kids. Mm. I treat these girls like they're mine. I I love them. I discipline them. I correct them. I mean, I can't spank them like they're mine, but I try my best to teach them and show them like they're mine. Mm -hmm. You know, what was expected, what, what God expects of them, that they're precious. One of my favorite sayings is, uh, you're better than that. You're better than that, you know. Because a lot of these kids maybe sometimes don't understand. Really, they just begin to think this is how I am. Mm -hmm. This is how I'm supposed to act because nobody cares about me. When these kids um, have been told or have been left here or have been placed here by the people that were supposed to be the ones taking care of them, or even when life has just thrown them some incredible gut blows, whether it's the death of a parent or um, the abandonment of that custodian, even in the best of situations with loving relatives that want them, but due to health issues or financial issues, elderly grandparents on fixed incomes, it's so hard, mm -hmm. you know. And many times we see these kids be angry at God. Yeah. They don't they don't want to say that. Uh I had one girl that used to tell me, um, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. And the truth was she did believe in God and she was furious at him mm. because of what she felt he had done in her family. And rightly so, God can do anything. God can choose to do anything. God can keep something from happening should he choose it. And that's tough when you have to admit that. Yes, God could have prevented this if he chose to. Mm -hmm. But God lets we, us make our free choice. God lets us have free will. God lets us make choices. Your parents made choices. Your family made choices. Um, and that's tough to help some kids get through that. The next thing I wanted to do is interview somebody who sees the types of kids that would go to Calvary. So I reached out to somebody who works for the state. Her name's Jennifer Lane. Uh, she actually works for the state of Florida. Her title is... Child Protective Investigator. But really, with my job, we we try to go in and help families in the least intrusive way possible. So, you know, a lot of people, when they think of the state, you know, the Department of Children and Families, their first thought is they're going to take my kids. And really, that's not at all what we want to do. We really just want to come in in the, the least intrusive way and see if there's anything we can do to help. And if they don't need our help, we're instantly like, all right, you're good. Y'all have a great day. You know, if they do need our help, we can put services in place to make that home a better home for the children. 
um, but in the least intrusive way. So Jennifer grew up at Calvary. Um, she told us that she first arrived there when she was three years old. Uh, she went through high school, um, all the way through high school there. Uh, Calvary helped her with college to the point where she doesn't have any student loans. Calvary paid for her schooling. And now she's turned around and she's working for the state of Florida, helping families that are also in need. I've always wanted to, to help people ever since I've um, lived at Calvary Children's Home. Um, so many people there had helped me and had uh, constantly just stood by me. And so I, I wanted to, you know, give back in a sense and, you know, help other people since I was able to do it and um, let other people know, let other children know, man, even though you're going to get put into this system, like you can, you can go through this and you can achieve it, you know, or let parents know, hey, like, you got to do something because if not, things are going to drastically change and, you know, just constantly being helped. It was my turn to give back, kind of. I mean, I, I think Calvary is a, a great place for, um, you know, for kids to live or for people to um, help and support. I mean, Calvary, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be the person I am today without Calvary. Uh, if you just, I mean, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, living at Calvary Children's Home, it's, it's not an easy thing. I mean, most kids their one thing they picture, one thing they image in their head is going to be a family, you know, sitting at a dinner table with their mom and their dad and their, their brothers and their sisters. And, you know, having, you're always going to have that desire, but will, being willing to push that aside and saying, what is best and what do I need to do so that I don't end up in the same family generational curses. And, um, and it takes a lot to really just stop and think about that. And, um, you know, it was hard really to stay there, but Calvary, it changed my life. I mean, I, I would not be working for the state of Florida or I wouldn't be married to my pa a pastor or having my own place if I didn't stick there and allow Calvary to guide me and shape me into the place, the person I am now. Now, Jennifer's story is just one of the many amazing stories to come out of Calvary. Um, one detail of it that I, I was, you know, blown away by was that uh, Brian was actually the one who gave Jennifer away at her wedding. And that's not the only person from Calvary that Brian has had the opportunity to do that for. Um, Brian has also been best man at uh, several of the young men who have left Cal Calvary's weddings. Uh, so that's just kind of the organization um, that Calvary is. Uh, when they provide love to kids, it's a lasting love that uh, continues to make an impact on their lives even after they leave. So besides being a house parent like Darlene, Brian also talked about other ways that um, couples or families could be involved in these kids' lives. Um, and that's what's called, at Calvary, a sponsor family. Yeah, we try to connect uh, each of our kids to a sponsor, and a sponsor family is a Christian family in the community that uh, wants to be a friend to our kids. And so... Um, some of our kids during spring break and Christmas break, break, and even on a monthly basis, we'll visit with those families uh, and they befriend them. And uh, some of those families will take the kids once a month for a movie. Um, some of them have developed very deep and strong relationships and actually have them on Christmas Day. The last part of my tour is uh, Brian brought me into uh, one of the main offices where uh, there were piles and piles of bathroom supplies, of shampoos, conditioners, of uh, everything that you would use in the bathroom. I saw small mountains of it. 
Will a Christian school, Grace Christian School, did a collection for our children's home the other day, and cool. they took up shampoos and hand sanitizers and uh, hygiene products. And uh, with 19 boys, you can't imagine how much yeah. uh, body wash you, you could use and hand sanitizer and whatnot. My goodness, how much how how much uh, stuff did you guys get? Um, from that from that group, we got it looks like 11 baskets full, mm-hmm. and uh, but that's several. Uh, weeks, if not a couple months worth of uh, shampoos and whatnot for our ministry, and it's a big burden off the off the ministry's shoulders. So the last thing I asked Brian is how people could get involved. If they don't think that they can be a house parent um, because of other responsibilities that they have, if they don't think that they can be a uh, sponsor family, um, how can they get involved? Uh, anything that an individual home needs, we need it ten times the more. Mm-hmm. So toilet papers, paper towels, um, uh, paper plates, those things are helpful. Um, obviously hygiene products, um, canned goods are a blessing to us. Calvary uh, doesn't often get uh, meat donated to the home, but that's mm-hmm. something that we uh, definitely could use if somebody has a connection to um Meat. There is, you know, one company, Tip Top Poultry, who's been sending um, meat to us for a long, you know, many decades. Uh, but they send about eight or ten meals a month. How much food do you go through in one meal? Well, we feed thirty-five people every time we wow. serve a meal here. So yeah. I don't know how you would measure that in quantity, but probably with boys, seventy <laughs> servings. <laughs> yeah. What we just listened to is a great example of that. But maybe you don't have a ton of meat lying around. Maybe you don't have a ton of bathroom supplies or, or. Uh, food or dairy products you can donate how can how can you help if you feel compelled to help at calvary children's home um how can you help or maybe you live very far away and you can't actually get to calvary physically how could you help if you want to um so that's what i asked brian well uh go to our web page it's uh, excuse me www.calvarykids.org or uh, they certainly could reach out to me. Our office number is 770-794-1500. Or they can email me at brian at calvarykids.org, brian at calvarykids.org. And we would definitely love to hear from you. This place has been carried now for 50 years by caring people who heard our story and said they want to help kids whose parents aren't able to care for them. And uh, if we're going to make it another 50, it's going to take some more folks to, to step up and believe in us. That's the conclusion on Calvary Children's Home. Um, we're currently working on episode three, excited to get that to you very soon. Look for that on, uh, on, on the iTunes store or on SoundCloud, if that's how you found us, um, subscribe to our, uh, podcast on iTunes. And if you have a Twitter, uh, tweet at us at nonprofit step-by-step, follow us or, uh, send us an email at, uh, it's nonprofit step-by-step at gmail.com. Um, if you have any ideas uh, for upcoming episodes, if there's a nonprofit organization that has touched your life in some way, has changed your life, uh, let us know. Also, um, we're looking to do uh, music transitions. I'd like to do that um, legally. And so we're looking to do music transitions. So if you make any kind of digital music um, that you think would be uh, kind of cool and interesting, to be used on this podcast, send it on over. I, I'd love to listen to it. I'd love to be able to use it on this program. Um, and of course, we'd, we'd, we'd give you the credit for it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Nonprofit Step-by-Step, a podcast series on Calvary Children's Home.